Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, and today I'm joined by Jim Cunha, who's the Senior Vice President for Secure Payments and FinTech at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. So just for the sake of our audience, Jim, could you please just describe what central bank digital currency is? Yeah, sure. So um, a lot of times, well, first of all, caveat, a lot of times these terms are used very loosely. So as you're talking with people about them, uh, they may use them differently. Uh, but if you think most broadly about a cryptocurrency, that's any digital currency that uses cryptography as part of the platform. It could be for identity verification or for integrity of the ledger. Uh, so that's the broadest term. CBDC, our central bank digital currency, would be any digital currency issued by the central bank. Mm -hmm. So it's the equivalent of dollars. So by definition, it would be legal tender. Now, CBDCs don't necessarily have to have cryptography, but they probably would because that's how you would be securing uh, the network and securing uh, the data. Uh, but also, there would be blockchain or distributed ledger based. So CBDC would be anything that's electronic issued by a central bank. Oh, that, that's such an interesting um, distinction then. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with blockchain because it's by its very nature, it's not distributed. Okay. Yeah, it could be, but it doesn't have to be. So that's... And there's a lot going on around the world, and they're looking at it differently in different, different countries. Okay. So run me through the nature of the initiative that you're working on in conjunction with MIT. Yeah, so what we're doing is it's joint research. So we'll be working collaboratively with them over the course of the next two or three years. It's technical in nature. And what we're trying to prove is can we build a platform that meets the unique needs of the United States if we were going to issue a CBDC? So uh, the first phase of it would be, can we actually build a platform that can handle tens of thousands of transactions per second? Because there's gonna be a lot of transaction volume on this. Uh, can it handle our privacy requirements? And is it resilient to cyber attacks? That's sort of the basic first set of things. If you can't handle those first basic things, then you're never gonna be able to launch a platform. Mm -hmm. Then once we can prove that we can do it, we then layer on different policy options. So we may say, for instance, for privacy, uh, let's say that the two people transacting can see it, uh, the central bank that runs the platform can see the transaction, but nobody else can. So unlike Bitcoin, it wouldn't be something that everybody can see everybody's transactions. And we would likely have you know, some sort of money laundering or terrorist financing checking because of the nature of the platform. That hasn't been decided yet, but our assumption is it probably would so when you code that in, that's going to do a couple of things. It's going to slow down the system by definition. And also it makes it more open to attack. You know, the more programming you have in a system, the more the chances that your tax service is bigger. So we want to make sure that we can still meet those initial requirements once we add in other design options or uh, policy options. We think that'll take us over the course of a couple of years. So we're not building a complete system, but we're building something robust enough that we can actually prove that we can build the engine to process the transaction safely. Okay, very good. At the end of it, we'll be publishing results and we'll be open sourcing the code. So it's as research, this is not going to be a proprietary platform. We're going to make it available to anybody who then wants to further the research or even to build a platform from this base. Okay. Because I mean, interestingly, there's, there's been a lot of these initiatives internationally that was, um, goes back, I mean, I saw one in, um, 2015, there's the, the Bank of England experimented with this. We had um, the e-kroner in Sweden, which was experimented with. We had the, um, the digital Uruguayan peso uh, 
all, all of these have thus far been sort of proof of concept. But obviously, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've taken some of the findings from these and, and put these into this, this initiative. So, I mean, what, what have you learned from prior initiatives? Yeah, first, a few distinctions. Um, the, the Boston Fed itself had done some experimentation back in 16. We published that on our website. So there's two different ways of thinking about central bank money. One is wholesale. So think about large banks transferring money between them, like a wire transfer system. Most of the experiments that are out there, like the Bank of England, our own, uh, Singapore's Bubin, uh, Bank of Canada's Jasper, those are all wholesale systems. So, and their stated goal was never to go in production. So even today they're saying they have no particular plans to go to production. They just wanted to learn. So we've been sharing our experiments with them for the last you know, three to four years. Uh, we've learned that you can build a system out of blockchain-based technology that meets the needs. You can do cross-border. You can move money between different ledgers. So they've proven all that is doable. The other way of thinking about central bank money is like cash. What we call that is more retail-focused or um, there's a, a term called general purpose CBDC. So it's for people who would use cash today could use this. And those are what you see now. So our experiment with MIT, for instance, is, is retail in nature. It's central bank money that could be used by anybody. Um, so the platforms that have been built early on were never for production. Mm. There is one that's reportedly in production, which is China. China says they've had a platform in production for uh, months in a pilot phase. Now, they're not very open about it, but you know, their goal is production. Uh, the eCorona, they're building that now, uh, and but they've also said they're not sure if they're going to launch it, but they're building it because they have no very little paper currency in circulation. And the central bank believes they should have a digital currency in circulation, mm-hmm. possibly to keep their, you know, their be part of that, uh, that flow. So most of them small in nature. So we've learned it's possible uh, that reportedly the Chinese platform is not distributed ledger based, it's not blockchain based. Um, and that's another point I'll make when I talk about MIT. Um, we're going in thinking this will probably be some sort of a distributed system, but we're not necessarily saying it's gonna be blockchain. We're going to go wherever the research takes us. Mm-hmm. So it could be a traditional technology or it could be blockchain based. But we've learned an awful lot from these experiments. Most of the central banks are very open about sharing. So it's been very, very collaborative. Okay, very good. Uh, it's, it's interesting as well. I mean, it, it's it was an interesting time, clearly, with the pandemic, but it, it does illustrate in many ways how anachronistic some of the, the uh, components of physical currency are. I mean, we're now in, in a situation where there aren't enough pennies in the US, right? And it's, um, you know, I, was, I actually paid with cash the other day and it did feel like I was using like a used face mask to hand over money. It's You, you do think twice now about sort of the, the actual yeah, nature yeah. of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I mean, clearly, but physical money does have obviously attributes that are built in to be secure and prevent laundering or prevent uh, replication. I did a, a few years ago, I visited um, Secret Service headquarters and there was a presentation by um, one of the Canadian mounted police guys who was involved in uh, production of the notes. And the sophistication of the technology in that note was kind of overwhelming. And yet he was saying that by the time it had been in the market, or by the time it was launched, they'd already found counterfeits. And the reason they found there were counterfeits was because the currency hadn't been out yet. So, you know, there's, the fraudsters are, I mean, a long story short, extremely ingenious and uh, well-funded for these initiatives. 
So I think, I mean, the crux of this being, how do you, how do you prevent a digital currency, if this is a digital dollar, how do you prevent that from being replicated and, you know, for us of literally printing digital money? Well, you know, you, you gave some of the hints right there. If you think about the $100 bill, there's a lot of technology in that. There's a lot of work that goes into design, into testing to see, can we actually build something that's hard? Because probably can never say impossible, but hard to create uh, fraudulent transactions. Um, so it's really about design, design, testing. But as you well know, it's an arms race. You know, this is right. the bad guys are really smart. And there's no such thing as designing it and you're done. You have to continually be updating it to make sure that what you're doing is as foolproof as possible or counterfeit proof as possible. So it's design, uh, testing, and then continually doing that. So if you think about Bitcoin, the way Bitcoin works is they have to design in uh, something that solves what's called the double spend problem. If you have electronic money, what stops you from sending it to 10 different people? So they have to design in a way to make sure that you can only give your money to one and only one person, and you can't do that twice. So we have to think about the double spend problem just to make sure that John Q. Public doesn't spend it five times. But then if you have a central bank digital currency, especially one in a, a civilized country, it'll be, it'll be attacked. It will be you know, a source of huge attacks. So you have to think about uh, all sorts of bad guys that are trying to do it, either disruption or counterfeit or, you know, even, you know, theft, et cetera. So it's a, a huge issue. I don't think the answer yet because we're not that far along, but there are a lot of good examples out there today in electronic systems that move, you know, trillions of dollars already. And right. so this would be an electronic system moving trillions of dollars. The difference is, and you hear this about some of the new faster payment systems that are coming out, when you move it, it's, it's settled, it's done. Yeah. It's not like it can't be reversed. The intent is it would have final settlement near immediately. So it just makes it harder to say, how do you do it immediately versus say, I can call up my bank and say, I never made that credit card transaction and then reverse it. So you don't have that, that, that luxury. So we have a lot of good examples about systems that have great designs. Uh, and then we have to roll in policy on top of that as far as how do we keep it safe from the bad guys. Fascinating. And I mean, I suppose there is precedent as well. I mean, Bitcoin has been around and there is still, it is still a finite amount of Bitcoin. It's not going to be, you know, it's always going to be 21 million Bitcoin. 21 million, that's it. Yep. Yeah. So again, that if is you think about, If you think about Bitcoin, um, I don't know what the figure is, but there's been a lot of theft of Bitcoins. I heard right. some figure like 10% of all Bitcoin has been lost or stolen. But Bitcoin itself hasn't been hacked. Well, that's correct. It hasn't been they handled. Stole, they right. stole the keys. You know, the old-fashioned right. way. They break in and, and steal someone's keys, either from an organization holding them off the person's own computer or, you know, however they store their key. So, you know, there are systems out there that have proven that they are not attackable or they create incentives such that it costs too much money to try to attack it. It's just right. not worth it. They're cheap. Because the bad guys are going to go after the easier targets. And so... As they say, you don't have to be, you don't have to outrun the cheetah, you have to outrun everybody else. <laughs> so it's the same That's thing. Right. That's right. Uh, have some exactly. burger meat in your pockets, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it is a, hu a huge issue. Like I said, you're never done. As you know, today with frauds and payments, you spend a lot of time thinking about mm -hmm. that. Whatever you do, the bad guys are going to now use some new technology, probably the same technology you're using to beat you. Mm. So it'll be no different. It's just faster. Answer. 
fascinating. It, it, well, there you go. It's, uh, it's the same old, same old fraud, the same old uh, crime, but faster. You know, therein lies the problem. Jim, fascinating to talk to you. I'm really excited about this initiative, actually. Look forward to um, obviously following the progress on this. Um, that's Jim Cunha of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and for Information School Media Group. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. I'm Nick Holland. Thank time. you, Jim. Appreciate it. Thank you.